there's the a high possibility that there's a, a horizontal large, crack large horizontal house crack. So that was that uh, we ended up finding out that was the reason that they actually ended up backing out. Hello and welcome to Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes. Just before we hop into today's show, we do have a quick word from our show sponsor. Have you wanted to learn about short-term rentals like Airbnb but can't find the right program? Well, now you can. Carlos Yanalunis, one of our previous podcast guests, is holding a weekend workshop February 24th and 25th at his new Lakeside Airbnb cabin. Carlos is going to be going over market research, how to determine rates, how to stand out in the new algorithm, as well as how to attract and vet the best guests. His partner Chris will be going over how to find off-market deals in an automated way and how to make great partnerships for money, credit, and management. Tickets are available on Eventbrite with general admission and overnight stays available. For ticket discounts, use promo code STRJH. That's promo code STRJH. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Dallas, Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. So you guys have a very interesting business model. Can you tell the listeners here a little bit about yourselves, how you got started in real estate? Yeah, for sure. So I guess on the ready-to-go side, back in end of 2018. 2019. Uh, 2019, 2019, sorry. We were it just started out as doing like some side jobs, a couple of evenings and weekend jobs, and then kind of stemmed to, we were both had full-time jobs at the time. We both wanted to get out of them and kind of just came together and we're like, you know, that's, we both had the intention of, we had an interest in like flipping homes and getting into that kind of stuff. And this kind of looked like maybe our door to get into it. So we both came together and we're like, let's start a company and let's see where it goes from there. And it's a pretty long story, I guess, from that point. So we can just keep it short from there. But yeah, I don't know if wants to say more on that. Yeah, no, just kind of, yeah. Started at nights and evenings, both same page kind of thing. Long-term, let's flip houses and do something cool and build it as we go. But we'll try it out and see what happens and... Started part-time in 2019, did it for like a year like that, went full-time 2020, and then just been... Riding the ride ever since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> riding the waves. Well, obviously during that time frame, there was this little thing called COVID. I don't know if our listeners yeah. heard of it at all. How did that affect your guys' construction business? Well, we literally, we quit our jobs, both of us at the exact same time. Like the same day was our last day together. It's like January 30th. 2020 so basically like right at the beginning right before everything shut down so it was yeah really scary because we didn't have like a huge not like we had a huge nest egg so basically what we we're doing is all the part-time kind of stuff just banking it all and we're like probably should have waited a little bit longer before we pulled it but we're both like let's just do it and we'll see what happens so that was like a big scary thing right at at the beginning, I had a trip booked. Yeah, I was going to Bali for two weeks, right, right before. So I was like, "Well, I'll just we'll kind of start it. I'll I'll do my trip. I'll come back." I came back early because of all the stuff that was going on. Came back to yeah, no no normal job, and then trying to get everything going. So it was definitely scary, but at the same time, it 
helped us out a lot because everybody probably notices a lot more people stay home. Started spending a lot more time looking at their houses and wanting to fix things and all that kind of stuff. So it was uh, also weird too because we had some jobs lined up <clears throat> that actually kind of forced us not forced us, but like that pushed us in the direction. I guess. Yeah, we kind of built ourselves up part time enough work that it was getting to the point where it's like too much to take care of on evenings and nights, but you like not quite enough to feel super comfortable pulling the trigger. But we decided just like let's do it, and yeah, we wish we would have done it way earlier. So yeah, so, yeah, all worked out. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Okay, so what markets are you guys currently investing in, and is flipping the only thing that you guys are doing? So I guess to touch on that, so basically we started it off as so coming from we're going from full time jobs to starting this company, we needed to make sure that we could pay all our own bills and all that kind of stuff, right? So we kind of were in a bunch of different stuff. So we did property maintenance, renovations for homeowners and investors and whatnot. And then we wanted to do our own flips too. So the idea was, let's see, we already were doing a lot of the, the property maintenance stuff. Those are quick, small jobs that you can do on evenings and weekends. Renovations were starting to grow a little bit. And we get leads from some of the property maintenance stuff, which worked. So we... Started doing that and then, sorry. So yeah, property maintenance, renos, and then doing the house flips. We're trying to do all of them at the same time. That started to get really hard to, not only for cash flow and all that kind of stuff, is keep it all separate. So we, we did that. We built the crew around that, did that for quite a bit. Going into this year, we've really swapped over. We kind of stopped all renovations for other people. We're still doing property maintenance for there's basically three main companies in between probably those three met three companies there's about 600 600 600 units that we kind of take care of so we'll still do the property maintenance and then yeah we've been swapping into doing more of the flips and right now we're kind of focusing on we're doing actually a first and second suite of properties properties. so going from a single family home to up down suite we have two of those going right now they should be wrapped up one for sure the in the next couple of weeks here, the end of this month, and then the other one, not far behind, maybe a week or two behind it, the second one should be done. And then we just took position of the house that we are just doing just a normal flip in Otwell yesterday. So we got those three projects going on and then our maintenance and stuff. So. Well, congratulations, guys, on the new property. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Now, you mentioned that you have two suited properties you're about to finish up. Do you mind just sharing where those They're, are? Uh, north side of Edmonton. Yeah, north side of Edmonton. So. Yeah. Okay. In a rougher area. <laughs> <laughs> but they're at lower price point. We figured it's something a little bit less scary to try it out, which definitely there was some unforeseen in there, but that's always part of learning something new. So it's, it's something we knew going into it. Let's just go into here. We can try this all out and try to be... Uh, Try to just make it out and make sure we're breaking even at the very, very least. So, absolutely. Yeah. I at least I like at least breaking even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What kind of unforeseen things came came up? If you're willing to share, probably the biggest thing we overseen when we first the first house that we were going to do for a suite house, we went in overall just the general size of the house. We were already kind of like ah, it's a smaller house, but we think we could make it work. But once we started working on it, we didn't realize. <clears throat> When it came to putting two furnaces into it, 
for the size of the basement, sorry, <clears throat> the uh, the ceiling height was already pretty small. And our joist spaces were actually, it's not super common, but in this house, it was a two by eight floor joist, which had a big play in our return airs for our furnaces. Basically, if we we're going to stick two furnaces in, we were going to have to drop our ceiling. It was going to be like, I think it was below seven feet. It was going to be a super, super tiny basement. So on this house, we decided kind of a workaround was like, well, we'll try it out for this one. And it's not going to be the best case, but we feel like it'll overall make the basement not feel so small. Ended up going with electric baseboard heaters in the basement, which isn't the greatest thing, but it's a workaround for it. So it's kind of, that was one of our big unforeseen and that changed like the whole layout of our initial plan for the basement side of it. Probably for the outside, there's a couple of things originally we we're just going to keep like the sidewalks, the way they were all laid out. We ended up busting them all out and pouring new concrete or new sidewalks around the whole house on the front side. So looks really good, but there's <laughs> a nice extra cost. So just little things that you yeah. kind of, you think okay well that concrete like it's it's not the best but it should be okay and then you start to really think well people are going to have to walk in that way because there's the two different entrances somebody's going to be walking that path a lot more so we should really make that a little better right so there's just a bit of that kind of stuff and then just a, a little bit more expense on some of the permits and stuff like that that we and then just well probably with, timelines the permits too. Like we, yeah. When we pull permits in the past without the suite of properties like development permits, the city's always, you know, super fast at getting those back to you to begin with. <laughs> but in this particular house, it was just, yeah, I think we waited, it was almost two months to get our building permit back from the city. So it was just crazy. But just little things. There's a ton of little things in this house that just piled on and piled on that. But now we took everything from that house to the next house that we were going into the suite. And every mistake that was made or we unforeseen in that house, the next house, we already knew what we were looking for and what we didn't want to do. And the next one was basically, where did we start on that first one? Well, I'm trying to think of the months apart that we oh, bought them in. So, yeah, we bought the first one in, we got possession June 1st, but that was the other thing. So that was another reason doing other people's projects and trying to do ours. Ours typically, once we got busy, they would get put on the back, back burner. burner all the time, and as you know, we use we use private money and stuff like that. So costs add up really quickly. So we got put on the sideline. So that was June. <clears throat> June 1st that we got that one. The second one we got October 3rd was possession. And they're about two weeks apart from being finished. So you can, about half the timeline that we, we got the, that we're the doing, second one yeah. doing. So will be at close to four months that that second one will be done so that, that makes a big difference especially with private money oh yeah oh yeah do you mind just sharing for the listeners what is private money so private money so the way that we do it so we have private money and i guess hard money so we do our private mortgages so we're starting a newer business it's getting a little bit better now because we're on year three or four i guess four. it would be yeah. so year four but traditionally trying to get banking with a newer company and that kind of stuff is a lot harder so we went private route so we're looking at lenders that want typically 20 percent down they are looking directly at the deal not your income and all that kind of stuff it definitely helps that we have a construction company background so they can actually have projects we can show them like you know what we're doing and all that kind of stuff but yeah they usually want 20 percent down and can be anywhere from 10% to, I don't know, I've heard like 16, 17%. Luckily, we haven't had to pay anything like that. And yeah. Yeah. And then, that's right. <laughs> it can, yeah. It can be high. And then um, 
and then the other nice thing too is they don't they don't really care where that down payment comes from so what we do basically is we set up we do our private mortgage and then we which we get usually around 10 to 12 percent we've been really lucky working with a good good private mortgage company there and then we set up deals with it's been typically friends and family, but we're Very planning nice. on scaling this year. So we've been talking to our lawyer about more stuff that we can do. And we basically do a 10% straight out payment. So if it takes two months or it takes six months, we'll give you back 10% on your money. So people, if we could do two to three for them in a year, they can be making 30% on their money, but we just do it as a one-time payment once we're done the project. And so that's been working so far this year, we're going to probably try to look into a little bit more of creative options and that kind of stuff too. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I did want to hop on one of the other things you guys brought up. You mentioned two furnaces. Why do you have to put two furnaces for a basement suite? You don't have, you to. don't have to. There's a couple of different ways that you can set them up in that particular house. Like we have the other house that we did too, is just to separate obviously the two units completely. So there's, you know, one unit runs the, the main floor, one unit runs the basement. Uh, there's quite a few little workaround things that you can do though. So in that first one, we have yeah furnace for the upstairs and then it'll be electric, like base, baseboard heating in the, in the basement so that we can save the room and, and get the extra height down there. So a little bit more comfortable with it being a smaller space. <laughs> Sounds fair. Yeah, yeah, I know tenants, they do like their space. And I, I particularly like my headroom. Yeah. Like Dallas, yeah. You're, a little, you're a little taller here as well. So you're probably going to enjoy that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, yeah, if we would have went the other way, we would have been touching yeah. touching the ceiling walking down there. I would have been. <laughs> yeah. It sounds fair. So if it's good with you guys, we'll hop into the meat of our conversation here. Sure. sure. What was the best deal you guys have ever done? What was the plan and what went right or wrong? Well, we can talk about like it was the best deal and worst deal all in the same time. Huh. Well, probably yeah. So it's probably our our second flip. So that would be the first one that we did the private money, kind of learning all that stuff. It it went really well. We had a timeline of two months, and this was just a house in Port Saskatchewan, which we've done lots of houses in Port Saskatchewan. We we like the area. I know some people don't. As long as you know your numbers for the area, it's good. Yep. So we had two months, we had our budget and yeah, budget of whatever. And we, it was a really great flip because timeline, we're like bang on for our timeline, two months, had it all done. Budget, we were $2,000 over budget, but it was accounted for as we were going through. We decided to put a little bit more cabinets in the one area. So overall, we were really happy with that. We put it on the market. So this was in this 2021 so it was pretty good market it went up higher than we were expecting like the price point our arb and so we put it up had multiple offers within the first week basically our realtor was like let's put this up tell everybody we're waiting one week before we're accepting any offers so we had multiple full full list offers and i can't remember There's one, yeah. one i think slightly, slightly over yeah. list so that was really cool so that's where it went really really well we were really happy we should we were gonna make not like a crazy amount of money but we're we're happy with it it was like 20 or thirty thousand dollars or whatever so we're we're okay with that well we were happy with that since it was just our second one right so went through that's where it was really good we went further to go into closing and then i don't know if you want to 
Yeah, so basically, like Trevor said, start to finish of the house, we nailed the plan, nailed getting everything lined up for our materials. Our plan went exactly the way we laid it out. Our budget was exactly what we thought it was, minus $2,000. But like Trevor said, we accounted for and adjusted for it throughout. That particular house, it was a foreclosure that we bought. And we don't usually do like property inspections when we buy our houses. We'll just go through them, have a look. We'll have anybody else that we think needs to come take a look at them with us. We'll go take a look together and we'll just assess it from there. When we were purchasing the property, there was... It was one other person, right? So there was so so yeah. When we were when we were putting offers in, somebody else had put an offer in just before us. That they got accepted, their offer got accepted. So we thought we weren't getting this property. Went through for a couple of weeks, and then our realtor noticed, or maybe you, you know, seen it come back up on. We seen it come back up, and we're like, oh, what what happened there? So we reached back out, and we got told that they didn't qualify for their financing. So it was back up on or whatever right so we're like cool let's jump back in ended up getting it so then when we were selling it one of the offers that came back in yeah. on when we went to go sell the house it was one of the people it was yeah the people so we ended up buy. finding out so sorry when we were selling it the person who was originally supposed to purchase it had overheard from another realtor because there was two offers on there one realtor was the original other competitive on the front end of the, and he said to, to the sports Saskatchewan smaller kind of base. So the realtors were talking So the person, the original buyer was told, Hey, what did they do with the foundation cracks there? And so our realtor asked us, Hey, did you guys, they're just asking if you guys got the foundation cracks professionally fixed and we, and did you we see like, anything? What? And we're like, what we didn't see anything like there was one one spot where it was slightly open there was a vertical which is very common and it was already covered up and we checked it there's no water nothing coming in so figure it's good didn't think any more than that we ended up finding out that they had one of the bigger foundation companies come and do when they were doing their inspection and they had the foundation company had mentioned there's the uh, high possibility that there's a, a horizontal large, crack, large horizontal the house. crack. So that was that uh, we ended up finding out that was the reason that they actually ended up backing out. There's a whole big story behind that too. There was a lot of stuff on the back end between the realtors and all that kind of stuff that was a uh, yeah kind of messy. But we ended up so we basically ended up because the basement was already when we purchased the house the basement was already a finished basement. The back end of the house, we just changed some layouts of the room, but opening up the frost walls, we didn't really have to do. It was all already enclosed. So after this happened, now the house is already done. The first people that we already had locked in to buy it, they backed out because of this. They didn't back out yet. So what actually happened is they asked about it. We said, we're, we're comfortable. We didn't see anything. We're comfortable like opening up that wall. Because if it is, if there is something wrong, we don't want to sell it to you. We don't, we don't want to be those people that are just trying to, you know, hide stuff, right? So we ended up opening it up, found this massive horizontal crack, and uh, yeah. So they, we said we'll get. We had three different larger foundation companies come in. We said we'll get it all fixed under our cost. You still want to purchase it? And at this point, by the time we're getting these quotes, we're basically we're going to break even on this. 
but or potentially lose or potentially lose. But at that point, mm-hmm. yeah, if they would have stayed at that original purchase price, would have been fine to at least break even. So she said, they said, yeah, I, I think it went. They they were fine with it as long as we got professionally done. There was warranty, lifetime warranties, and all that stuff involved. So they said, okay, let's get this fixed. They're getting it fixed. They had a bunch of people around them saying like, shouldn't be buying a house with foundation problems, even if it gets fixed. So they got cold feet, they backed out, which is, that was fine. So ended up putting it back on the market, had to put it down slightly more than what we originally had it at because the market was starting to cool down a little bit. And then pretty much almost the same thing happened again. Somebody was, oh, we bought a house with foundation crack. No big deal. You guys got to fix. No problem. And then they backed out. They said they had some family stuff going on. We don't know if that was true or not. And then, yeah, at the end of it, we ended up selling it. It was a few months later. We're selling it for less uh, less than what we were hoping. And we ended up losing about $20,000 on that deal. Well, and it was also, I think it was like a, ended up being in total like a $35,000 repair. Yeah. Yeah, by the time we and had we our- did portion of the repair inside, like we had to, they basically had to cut back. It was on the driveway side of a house, so a good maybe tip in that too is anytime you're looking at a bungalow or any type of house that has a driveway port next to the foundation, really take a look at the walls in there because what was happening to that house was the driveway was actually putting pressure on the side of the house, causing the house to bulge in the middle, pushing the foundation out, and causing the crack. And we ended up cutting out, it was like three feet back and it was, I think, 27 feet long part of the driveway. We had to cut out of the concrete and dig right down to the bottom of the footing. Yeah, it was quite the mess and then ended up building engineer walls inside the house to reinforce it. So it was quite the repair after having the house completely done and then having to tear it all apart again was definitely a lot. And then also too, there was also a little couple other things. When we first initially put the house on the market, we had it staged. (laughs) <laughs> and then it obviously we thought it was we only had it staged for a certain amount of time and then obviously it went pending and then all this stuff happened so we got the house unstaged and in between the time then we restaged the house there was all these little things that kept happening in it but definitely learned a lot off of that course. yeah so that's why it's worst and best deal that we probably are very cool what is staging staging just when you're done, probably we have a person comes in that sets up furniture in the house and kind of shows a layout, a potential layout to a potential buyer. So they have a feel when they walk in and see. We think it's highly desirable to do. Yeah, sure. it definitely makes a big difference. That was one of the reasons. So after we had it, all the staging furniture took it out, we put it back on the market. And when you walked in, you're like, it's oh, not, it you can see the like picture the of its stage <laughs> and then almost walking in, it's like, that uh, it doesn't give you the same feeling. Almost seems like it's not as good as the picture. So I think and everybody, yeah, we had to come back. And I think staging almost, you know what, when you walk into a house and you're looking at it, it's nice to be able to visualize your own stuff in it. But when you walk into a house when it's staged, you're not just walking into a house. It feels more like you're walking into a home and it makes it have that feel right. So. I think it's definitely something to other people and other listeners, it's definitely well worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot of people that can't visualize where to put their furniture and stuff like that. So it, it really helps out. It really, for the amount that it costs, in most cases, it, it it's well worth its money. How much does staging cost? So it depends. There's a couple of different ways you can lay it out. And there's a couple, depending on the people too, you know, how many rooms in the house you want to do, you want to do both floors in the house or however. 
Typically, we usually budget. I think it's anywhere from fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. About two thousand dollars. Yeah. But I've heard of people depend depending on the house paying like oh, four thousand dollars a month to keep it to keep it in there. So it really depends on who who you use and kind of the the timeline that you're using it for and what you work out. So okay, but for I presume that this house you guys were working on is like a four bedroom. 1200 square foot kind of like thing. A three yeah three yeah. bedroom it's like the 1200 yeah just under 1200 square feet so that's the, the typical what people are trying to flip kind of thing so okay so for a single family home two two to four thousand dollars isn't unheard of yeah i'd yeah. say yeah that's we usually budget around two thousand dollars in that <laughs> unless we're getting fair. some crazy deal from our savings. <laughs> sounds fair now i've heard of this virtual staging thing have you guys looked much into it we've never personally done it we thought about doing it. We were talking about maybe doing it on one of these suited houses that we have coming up. Again, we've never tried it, so I don't know really if it would make sense or not to do it. So, yeah, kind of that's what the only downfall I can see too is like we we're saying is you see the pictures are all beautiful with it all staged. And then when you walk down, it's, it's, it's not a letdown, but in a way, it kind of like, I don't know if it would make people feel like they got tricked because it looks, much looks like you can fit picture. all this stuff in it too sometimes i think with virtual staging you're like oh wow that's basically sort of good like trevor said and you walk into the house and you're like oh yeah i can't visualize that in here yeah yeah but it also gives the people a basic understanding of yeah. like okay this would fit really good here this would fit put a couch here put a table here that kind of stuff so yeah it sounds fair i know lots of people do have issues just visualizing where everything should go even even just reconstructing a house if oh, yeah. moving walls sure. so <clears throat> people that's not always some people's strong suit so yeah yeah sounds good so what were some of the lessons that you guys did learn from this house probably it was i mean we still don't do inspections when we buy houses <laughs> but <laughs> right. i think from every house that we've done though we take little notes of what was what did come up what wasn't unforeseen so now we kind of have like a little checklist that we go through when we walk into houses, you know, really, you know, not just walk through it and be like, oh yeah, this looks like this could be good. This, we could do this here. Like take the extra time. You're there looking at it with a realtor or whatever. Go through, if you can access points, like, you know, you walk into a basement and there's a suspended ceiling, maybe open up a couple of tiles, nothing crazy, just, but to have a look to see if there's anything that you can kind of, you know see that might come up as unforeseen anywhere in a foundation that is exposed that you can have a look especially around windows sometimes you know. in crawl spaces under stairs and stuff like that above the see a little and then that was one good thing working with the the company that came to do the foundation work they went over and showed us a whole bunch of little hints like looking around the windows at certain things around the windows and stuff like that that's usually Probably. for for horizontal cracks that's usually where they start is in the corners of the windows and stuff like that so looking at the outside some of the stuff that they showed us looking down the drive obviously staying away if we can away from the driveway being right against the house not saying that we don't still look at them but i think that's a good point though. a lot of people get scared when they see cracks especially if you don't know about them like vertical cracks some people are like oh my god the house has cracks they're really not as bad as you think. I mean, brand new homes have vertical cracks and some brand new homes have horizontal cracks in them. It's just like if you look, if you walk through a house and you find that and you account for it in your numbers to get it fixed, then Verti vertical cracking costs as, as little as like eight hundred to a thousand dollars to fix, depending and it warranty, yeah, depending on how bad it is or whatever. So some of them are not that bad. It's where it's horizontal can start to cost you 
20 plus thousand dollars, depending on what you have to do to fix it. But like I said, it's just keep it in your budget. If you're worried about it, put it in your numbers and, and let the, if, if you're going back and forth, let the sellers know that that might be a concern or whatever. Right. So, and you can, you can have found it. A lot of the foundation companies will come out, their bigger companies will come out and, and do an inspection for you. They're usually going to be more cautious because they don't want to say, no, we don't think there isn't because, you know, people get mad if they do find a crack, but they'll at least give you a better idea of what to look for if you're not sure. I think too, maybe to go towards more of your question is from that house, because it was kind of like a unique situation there because everything went, we planned, everything went good to plan. Girls were good. Budgets were good. And then this bigger unforeseen at the end. So I guess maybe one note that we could, take from that too is uh, you know when you're looking at other properties and you're running through everything you know i think it's great you need to have a solid plan in place schedules in place for things your materials your numbers for your materials and then always have you know your buffer for your unforeseens but always account for you know in your numbers it's not a bad thing to have a certain percentage of what you're actually going to be spending in that house for materials to have for unforeseen so you know if you have like a ten thousand dollar this is just my unforeseen part of the house and you don't use it Throughout the whole house, great. Then you have a little buffer at the end for things that may pop up, right? So that is really good advice. I know lots of people don't put enough buffer in, and absolutely, it's I, I know it's screwed a lot of people over. So, how cool. much do, how much would you suggest to have as a buffer? We usually we're with doing construction. We're usually pretty close on our numbers, but we still usually put at least ten percent in our budget for for a buffer and two i think too i think what happens to a lot of people not everyone but i think you know you'll have your numbers laid out and your plan laid out and you'll have an extra buffer in there sometimes too but then you change plans maybe midway through your project or you add stuff where you you know maybe upgrade original materials you're going to use to nicer materials and i think that's where people get caught up sometimes is They'll start overspending in the house, not realizing it. And then they'll get to the end of it and be like, oh, geez, I just went way over what I budgeted for everything. So I think also, I guess off that note too, is, is I see people sometimes too, they'll start saving money in some places throughout the project being like, oh, I saved $500 here. I saved $500 here. I saved $200 here. So we can spend that somewhere else in the house. But they're not realizing, you know what, they're actually spending that there. Plus they're overspending on other items there. And then at the end, they're like, wow. I overspent on a whole bunch of things and now all of my buffers gone plus some. We did that. We did a lot in our first one. That's why on the oh, second yeah. one, that was another thing we we're really proud about is keeping our numbers up to date. Like daily is tracking all of that stuff because yeah, we did that in the first one where when check the numbers for a couple of weeks and we'd be like, well, we saved a thousand bucks there. So we can do this. And we'd look at it. We we do four different things because we saved a thousand bucks in one section, but now we just went over Three thousand bucks because we're like, oh, we save there, save there, but you just overspend here and here and here. So it's all part of it, but definitely, obviously, numbers are most important. Most important. Yeah, you know, I'm actually guilty of the saving money and spending it elsewhere category there as well. I I thought I was being really smart and doing the roof myself, me and a couple buddies of mine, and then we we got inside the house and we found out there was aluminum wiring in there. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to mess with this. I'm just going to hire an electrician. And like, hey. That money, that money I just saved on the roof is gone. I'm glad I saved yeah, it, yeah. but the electrician oh, yeah. costs more in the first place. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Sounds fair. Now, since that deal was the first, or sorry, the best and worst deal combined in one, is there another deal you guys had in mind or wanted to share? A particularly bad one? We could talk about our talk about first house. Yeah, first house, you can say. That was basically, uh, that was, uh, we ended up doing that house with a partner. So we basically set it up. It was uh, He was doing all the finance. We were going to do all the work. It seemed all good, but that's why we like to kind of structure it the way that we do it now. Both sides are happy at the end, but we kind of like the fact. So like, for example, in that second one where we lost all that money, we made sure every single person, when we told them what they were getting paid out, they got paid out every cent. Even though it's, yeah, we lost money, it's, it, it's, that's, that was our fault, right? So that's, uh, with the first one, it's, it, it was one person's financing, one person's doing construction. In a way, we kind of didn't like it because if we want to make changes or, you know, we want to be more in control of something or if we end up going over construction, then you kind of feel like you're more to blame, even though it might be you, you run into something that you didn't see. Then you feel like, well, it's your guys, like you're doing the construction. You could have saved us some money maybe or something like it. Not that that happened, but it's just something you kind of. Well, I think didn't probably like. the biggest lessons from that house was uh, I shouldn't, it's not like our worst house. We haven't really had like, like the house we talked about with the crack. That was probably the worst situation we ran into a house, but really all the houses we've done have not been like terribly bad or like, oh, this crazy thing happened. But I mean, the biggest thing on the first house that showed us so many things not to do was basically we put a lot of emotion into that first house. I think like a lot of people do, you want to make it this big, beautiful house and you start overspending on stuff that you really shouldn't need to like, you know, quartz countertops. We went with like three steps up. We didn't have to do that, but we did that. So like, Oh, it's going to be so nice. The carpet, we went with this nice, you know, Supreme underlay and this really nice carpet. And we're like, we didn't really have to do that. And all these little extra things that we did, spending extra money on different types of light fixtures that were fancier, nice expensive tile that I'm like, well, you probably could have got that same look of a tile for a little cheaper. But we did a lot of that on that house. And that's kind of where, like Trevor was saying, at the end of it, when we're looking at all of our numbers, like, wow, we really overspent on a lot of stuff that it looked really good. But we're like, wow, there's a lot of extra things we paid for now. There's a, And there's a lot of stuff to it. Like there are certain things you want to spend extra money on. Absolutely. And there's certain things that it's just not worth it. Right. If you got some main focal point, right. When you walk in, you might want to put a nicer light fixture there, but if it's some light that's, you know, in the basement off to the corner and the one room, then it's, there's no point of spending an extra X amount of money. Right. So it's, it's kind of, as you're going along, you got to kind of decide what like, what really is going to make a big difference here? So, and like what people are always saying, like the kitchens, bathrooms, master bedrooms, those are big areas that people really want to, you know, go go the extra mile a little bit to make it, it a little bit more unique or a little nicer, that kind of stuff too. So, Well, and I think on that house too, we had like initial plans on that house for what we were going to do. And then we just continued to add to it because, you know, you start making some things look nice, things that you're like, I'm not going to worry about that. And then you do a couple of things, even to the exterior of the house. And you're like, well, now that looks like shit. So now I got to deal with that. And then you start doing that. So I think there's a lot of that too, to watch for too. You know, you make everything really nice and then all the ugly things start standing out, but you can't fix them all. <laughs> so. Yeah. Otherwise you have a brand new house. Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds fair. So you guys mentioned the kitchen, the bathroom, master bedroom, and entryway. Uh, that entryway is not necessary. I'm just giving an example, but those are usually a client we try to look at. Kitchen, yeah, kitchen, the big one. Living space. Living like a big thing is usually, and most people do it, is opening up the living room to the kitchen to make everything nice and open. Like, and now usually that's one of the big things. Master bedroom is a lot of times because we've had what we've had a few of ours do where it's there's no ensuite. People want ensuites in there, their masters, that kind of stuff too. So yeah, kitchen master and then maybe your bathrooms are usually where people are kind of you know want a little extra want to make sure it looks nice so what kind of little tricks and modifications are you guys doing to those rooms to try and draw some emotional connection like the, the kitchens i mean most people in their houses spend the majority of their time in their kitchens so i think if you're going to spend extra money it makes sense to put it in the kitchens and then we'll do like We've been doing it ever since our our second flip. We do like the, you know, in the living spaces, we'll put like a nice feature fireplace wall. It's pretty common. Most people do it. Like Trevor said, opening up the opening up the living space, the kitchen, anytime you can open up the space to make it feel bigger. Usually trying to make the kitchen as big as possible. A lot of them are, we've had that too, where we end up making our kitchen a little bit bigger and dining room space is smaller, but we try to make that nice big fancy island. Like the one house we had was like a 12 foot. Long 12 foot island. island in there yeah. with the oven in it. It, it looked really yeah, cool. Looked really the dining cool. room was a little bit small, but a lot of people kind of overlook that. So we could play hockey on the island. But... Yeah. Out of curiosity, was that one of the houses you guys did in Fort Saskatchewan? Yeah. 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 I think I've seen that house had a nice big archway in the front entryway. Yeah. 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 Sounds, yeah. yeah. So that one, that one and the first one, they were actually about three houses apart from each other. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, they're twin yeah. houses. They're just like mirrors. So it was kind of cool being able to, we didn't open up to the first one, the walls and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool to be like, oh, stuff that we did in that first one on that same street. Be like, oh, we can do it on this one now. So stuff very, like that. Very cool. I know I actually got to go to the open house for you guys, is the one with the great big island. So it looked absolutely oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. What's that? It, it was very beautiful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you gave me some very nice comps too. So I am too. Thank you. <laughs> so moving on to a new segment that we are rolling out here. What are three things that most people don't know about you guys? They don't know about us? Yeah. Uh, they don't know about us. Depends on who you ask. I think, yeah, I but... guess. You know, we love to network and meet new people. So I think a big one is anytime that anybody, we're super open and we love meeting new people. So anybody that reaches out to us and just wants to meet up for a coffee or even come to one of our projects just to see what's going on. We love that. We love connecting with people and talking about real estate and talking about projects. So that may be one thing people might not know about us is that there's ever, you know, we like to try to help everyone too, uh, as much as we can too. So if anybody's ever interested in wanting to meet up and network with us, we love doing that kind of stuff. On some of that stuff, I guess something that I don't know, most of my close friends would know, but on the, topic of networking with people and stuff I really like talking about self-motivation all that kind of stuff spent a lot of time listening like I like listening to audiobooks and all that kind of stuff I'm sure a lot of people in the space do but not always always just talking about networking I, I really enjoy talking about like personal growing businesses and personal development so it's cool not only just going to some of the meetups learning about different real estate stuff but actually learning just like different business models that different you know people might be a gym owner or something like that stuff like that like 
like chatting about that kind of stuff. So I guess it kind of makes sense because we do construction and real estate. But yeah, I would say that's one big thing that I, I don't think we talk about a lot, but definitely big into self-improvement kind of space and watching lots of stuff on that. So Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, now we're we're recording this ahead of time, but I think you guys are starting to host some networking events here as well. Yeah, that's yeah, one so. thing we're going to try to do this year is do a lot more of that kind of stuff. So we got one coming up on Saturday. I don't know when to release this, but we have one coming up on Saturday. We'll try to definitely do more of those throughout the year. And that's it. Anybody that's interested in just learning, we have no problem showing you around the flips and stuff like that. We are fairly busy. Uh, but so, so we can't always just go whenever but we'd like to definitely work with more people because that was one of our big things like getting into the space is sometimes it's hard to get a a break you know you just want to learn you just want to see stuff like there's a big difference between listening to like the podcasts and 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 hearing like all the kind of things when you go to the meetup and you get to actually talk to people that are doing it in real time and you get to actually go see the, the projects and stuff like that i know i used to like right when oh, we're yeah. it's still to the day i get fired up going and looking at other people's properties and stuff like that and hearing different stories so we'd really like to do more of that for people this year and help out as long as as much as we can as long as people are taking action too that's a big thing yeah. too like if people want some help, we're all good with helping but definitely gotta show that you you are more than just interested you want to do something with it so there's there's more than enough to go around i don't think there's any reason for any competition or anything like that so that's one thing that we like about the real estate versus construction there is some guys in the construction space that are open to doing more the meetup and kind of stuff like that but it's definitely not like real estate like there's so many people in real estate that hey come check this out and look at this and help you out with hey I, i'm trying to figure this out yeah there's some amazing people there's a lot of people sure. in the community that awesome to talk to you so absolutely agree and i like how you guys actually walk the walk as well i remember one of my early flips i was actually standing in the paint section and trevor comes along and starts giving me some advice on some things that i should be looking at so yeah yeah no you're asked so I was like, yeah more and more to help with i don't know everything but I try to help as much as you can so it's very much appreciated. And I love how you guys are out there trying to help people who want to take action and get out and do stuff. So what advice would you give to investors in your area who are looking to scale their business? Some advice for scaling the business. Yeah. I think don't be afraid to reach out to other people for help. Don't be afraid to ask any questions that you might be nervous about going into projects. I think the biggest thing is having a plan, making sure you have a solid plan with a solid execution on, you know, timelines, budgets, materials, everything. I think it's good though to, uh, not to like go backwards, but this is probably not for people already doing it, for people looking to get started in it. Good to start pre-planning stuff out, but don't overanalyze stuff either sometimes because you do that too much, you'll never get started in the first place. Yeah. So. Yeah. Things are not going to be perfect. And I think that's one thing with us, like we've scaled, not that we're nearly anywhere where we want to be. We've started it. We feel like we're just starting to learn some of this stuff. Like we've got a long ways to go. I think a big thing is, yeah, don't, don't be worried. You're going to make mistakes no matter what. 
stuff's going to happen. You're going to get bumps and bruises. We as and as everybody, it's not just like we starting to notice it more and more people that we talk to with more experience. We start to notice that you kind of you make a mistake, you learn from it, you move on, you make another mistake, you learn from it, you move on. It starts to compound and you start to get a better idea of like how to get through situations and stuff like that. Still to this day, we're always running into problems nonstop all the time. We, we have bigger crews, so big thing that we're learning this year is to get better with our systems and all that kind of stuff too. So definitely always watching your numbers, making sure that you're you're doing your best to pre-plan and try to stick to those plans without constantly changing. But again, just well, in, big thing too. Imper you... Imperfect action is is, is going to make you move right. So. And when you run into a problem, maybe try to have a different mindset. Maybe it's not a problem, but look at it more as like a, a teaching moment and a yeah. learning moment. You know, everything, the best kind of learning that we've had is definitely hands-on. When we make a mistake, we know definitely not how to do it again. So yeah. I'm doing it firsthand. As much as it sucks to lose money and all that kind of stuff, it definitely happens, but it's I always it's it's a lesson learned like all that stuff that happened in the one that we we're talking about and there's multiple situations over the last few years where that kind of stuff happens and it's like i don't really lose sleep over it because it's it's well now you know for the next one right so yes might be a bit a lot bigger profit that you could be saving yourself on, on one of the future ones right so big thing too is i would say it is a smaller community than you think so if you're going to work with people and you're going to say something, do what you say and and a big one, be yeah. a part, like be a, a person of your word. Because like we said, we've lost money on deals and we borrowed money from people. We make sure that that was the deal. You get every cent that that you deserve, right? Because that's what we, we said. And we've had people in the past too where we've had that problems where it's not always like that. And you start to notice it might not even just be you noticing that stuff. People start to talk in the community and it, it, word, uh, spreads, yeah. it word spreads quick. So we don't always do everything perfect, but we do our best to try to make sure that we, we work it out with people and fix stuff along the way. Right. So that's all you can do. Yeah, yep. exactly. Great advice. So just before we close up here, where can people find out more about you guys? Our biggest is Instagram. I mean, we're on Facebook too. If anybody ever wants to reach out, just send us a message on Instagram. It's usually the easiest way to get a hold of us. And like I said, we're always open to meet new people or go grab a cup of coffee when we can or schedule something in. And like we were saying, we're going to start trying to do more of these meetups and what those really are just to get more involved with people and be able to show people our projects and answer any questions people might have and talk to other people, see what they're doing. So definitely way easier to work with a bunch of people than trying to do everything people, yourself yeah. or work against people. Like there's more than enough to go around. So yeah. there's no reason to be. 100%. We have a website, but I want to check that out. It hasn't been updated since 2019. So yeah, so that's something we have to work on, but definitely kind of the go-to. So that sounds good. We'll see if the if the website's updated before this podcast is released. Yeah, probably won't. <laughs> well, I'll check in. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, Dallas Trevor, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it.